Crossum Wrestling Entertainment Podcast. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Crossum Wrestling Entertainment Podcast. I am your host, Tyler Bard, and over there on the other side of the screen, that is Mr. Noah Cross coming to you this Sunday morning. It's not afternoon yet. We're just before afternoon. Uh, Mr. Cross, how are you? I'm good, sir. I'm good. You know, feeling it's a good Sunday here. Uh, you know, we're going to talk some AEW, so it's always fun. Of course, of course. And, you know, usually we would be coming to you all with some dynamite action. But we have not covered the happenings of Revolution yet, so we are going to do that today. And as we find necessary, we will talk about some of the happenings that uh, went on at uh, on Dynamite's episode as we roll through the episode here today just so we're not here for two and a half hours (laughs) but noah overall i was pretty okay with this pay-per-view it was not my favorite um but it the spots were good the matches were decent um we'll see uh we'll see how we feel about everything as we start going here but i do want to remind everyone that we are streaming on facebook and youtube on bard and cross entertainment and on my personal twitch account which is tbard5195 you can find us anywhere you find your favorite podcast if you do not listen to us live. So look for us there, including the Clovercrest website. Please also remember that we are not a market substitute for AEW's Dynamite. Please make sure you go watch Dynamite Live every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And now they're the only, not yet, they're about to be the only show on Wednesday nights. So uh, uncontested dynamite on Mm -hmm. tuesday night or wednesday nights may i add so very excited to see what that holds for the company moving forward speaking of moving forward we had the buy-in show it was thunder rosa and rio versus dr Britt baker and not reba no no it was potentially going to be reba but that was not who ended up taking that spot it was maki ito Mm. Big surprise coming out of that curtain. We did not expect uh, a name like that. I think we were expecting uh, someone from within the roster already. Could you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If it was going to be someone from outside, we thought maybe someone from Impact or something like that. Um, So that was definitely a surprise to all of us. She comes out singing with her microphone and then ultimately is a heel. I was confused because I didn't know her prior to this event, but – Kyle, who was on the show with us last week, seemed to really enjoy that. Oh, speaking of, before we get started, uh, retaining his picks championship, Kyle had a near clean sweep. Mm -hmm. He was almost perfect on the night, predicting everything correct except for one match, and we will get to that when we get there. Uh, But congratulations, Kyle, and we'll see you on another show soon, I'm sure. So let's get started. With Rebel unable to compete following an attack at the hands of Nyla Rose. How rude. Dr. Britt Baker introduced her replacement, Japan's Maki Ito. The duo battled Thunder Rosa and Rio in tag team action to kick off the night's festivities as part of the buyout. After a brief back and forth between Baker and Rio, the doctor bailed out of the ring, avoiding a showdown with the familiar foe Rosa and tagging Ito into the bout. Rosa and Ito exchanged jarring strikes before Rosa dropped Ito face first into the top turnbuckle. 
From there, she delivered a wheelbarrow slam, driving Rio into Ito for a near fall. The babyface's momentum ended when Rebel introduced or interjected herself rather into the proceedings, proving that she was not indeed injured uh, as they had let on earlier in the night. Uh, Ito looked for a headbutt to Riho and missed, but Baker retained control of the match for the uh, for the heels by working over the former AEW Women's World Champion. Rosa received the tag from Riho after several moments and exploded into the match, teeing off on both of the opponents. Delivered a butterfly suplex to Baker, which was, I thought it was just going to be like a, a pump handle powerbomb, but mm. that was even more impressive. Uh, and added a senton for a near fall. Baker would recover, however, delivering a sling blade to Rosa, and Ito followed with a headbutt for the near fall of her own. That headbutt, by the way, that seems to be her go-to. So I think she has like a like an iron skull kind of gimmick where like her head is unfazed by punches and stuff like that. So we'll see if that's where they continue going with that. Uh, a stunner by Rosa to Ito allowed her to tag in Riho uh, just in time for the action to break down. All four competitors landed signature offense, including a super dolphin inspired tornado DTT DDT by Ito. She followed with a single leg Boston crab moments later, forcing Rio to grit her way to the ropes to force the break. After a double headbutt left both Rio and Ito reeling, Baker tagged in and delivered an air raid crash for two. Rosa entered the match and after, oh, and Baker crashed into Rebel. Nearly scored a uh, the win with a Death Valley driver. Riho wiped out Ito uh, at the ringside and Rebel interfered yet again, this time blasting Riho with her crutch, again showing she doesn't actually need it to watch, forcing, uh, a allowing Britt Baker, rather, to pick up a pinfall victory. Boom. High speed match. High speed match. This was uh, a, a very good match considering we didn't know who was going to be in it. I True. think we uh, had every right to be a little nervous going into it because we weren't exactly sure who was going to be there. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think they delivered. Oh, absolutely. They delivered 100%. Uh, I mean, it's the buy-in. You want it to be somewhat solid. I, I, I get the whole buy-in concept. Like, they're like, oh, put something great that people want to buy into the show and want to order it. Uh, so this wouldn't do that for me, to be honest. But yeah, no, it, well, I don't think it was that caliber. No, but it's not like do WWE pre-show. Exactly, it's a it's a pre-show, and let's just call it that. Uh, but right. I do love if that's what Baker. we're gonna call. It, if that's what it's gonna be, let's call it what it is. Exactly, I do love Baker winning though. So you know what? That's just one more win on the way to her AEW Women's Championship. So I'll take it. It's never gonna happen. Oh yeah, it'll happen soon. You watch, sir. She ain't getting that title. You watch. But speaking of championships. <laughs> There were some championships oh. defended this night. Oh, yeah, quite a few. The AEW Tag Team Championship. Would you like to take it away, sir? For sure, as we got to see the Young Bucks take on Chris Jericho and MJF of the Inner Circle. Driven by revenge after Chris Jericho and MJF attacked their father the week prior on Dynamite. Uh, AEW World Cha Tag Team Champions, the Young Bucks took flight to their challengers early and often in the up opening contest of the Revolution pay-per-view. So we're past the buy-in, by the way, folks. Uh, Heads-up play by Jericho, bringing Nick Jackson back and, um, and head-first into the ring apron, turned the tide in the Inner Circle's favor. Wardlow made his presence felt on a couple of occasions, allowing Jericho and MJF to retain control of the bouts, this time as they beat down Matt Jackson, those heels using their Healy tactics. The heels <laughs> delivered a double standing vertical suplex, uh, 
continuing their uh, concentrated assault on Matt while his wife, Dana, watched from ringside. A hot tag to Nick sparked the babyface comeback, as it always does, was included a destroyer pile driver to MJF for the two that count. destroyer was so good. Mm-hmm. MJF mm-hmm. sold that so well. Oh, yeah. The Bucks channeled Impact Wrestling's Motor City machine guns with a modified made uh, in the Detroit for, in Detroit yeah, for a near fall. In yeah, gotcha. I, I was getting there. I was like, they weren't there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the heels answered in form of the Lion Tamer by Jericho uh, Nick. Matt tagged in unbeknownst to Jericho, but the champion simply transitioned into the same hold on the fresh man. MJF scored a series of near, uh, near falls on Matt, who kicked out of everything thrown at him, including a baseball a buck, sorry, a baseball shot to the back of Jericho. MJF's pile driver failed to put him down, much to the much to the dismay of the loudmouth heel. And Matt tagged Nick back into the match. Stereo crossbody blocks wiped the challengers out, but Nick could not put Jericho down for the three count. Wardlow attempted to interfere again, but ate the Judas effect by the champion an accident. Oopsie poopsie. That's going to cost them. The Bucks delivered the BTE trigger for a near fall on Jericho, only to be saved by MJF. Which Bucks- that blew my mind. That breakup, I, I could not believe the match wasn't over. It was great. I, I, I like breakups like that. Like breakups are a different dimension. Like if he were to kick out, it's like, oh, well, all right. But the breakup just adds a little bit more to it. I like it. Uh, let's see. The Bucks uncorked a series of super kicks and dude, a super kick after super. Like this was the the definition of super kick party. Like it was right. just ridiculous. Um, super kick. The challengers and finished Jericho off with the Meltzer driver for a successful title retention. Uh, talk oh about my gosh, that should have been the buy-in. Could you imagine okay. if you that can't... was the buy-in? As much as I agree with that, that's just. Like the buy-in should be like two teams that aren't championship champions yet, like dress. So you want to see the, you want to see the ja- Jurassic Express? I was going to say that versus an FTR or or okay, sure. something like yeah, that. Yeah, okay. So someone who can put on a five-star match without having to have any sort of implications. Exactly. Or honestly, do what they did last time because wasn't the Casino Battle Royale on the buy-in for um ah uh, when they did all in for the first time was. ever? I think it was. Yeah. So just do that. That's uh, you know enough. why though I think that's because they wanted to introduce a lot of uh, of the wrestlers and have people be like oh shit all right no that's true but I mean you can still do that but that that's 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 where it should be like the casino battle royale should just be the buy in thing and that's exciting there's a lot of action and a lot of people so why not yeah before we get to the battle royale though I do want to bring this up before we forget to talk about it next week uh, on dynamite this week there was a uh, what I'm calling the double heel turn. Because Sammy Guevara returned and came down to the inner circle when they told him they never wanted to hear from his ass ever again. And he said, Chris, I just need you to listen to me and watch this tape. They put up on the on the uh, big screen that MJF was turning the inner circle against Chris Jericho. And as they all began approaching Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara, they eventually turned back around and called uh, MJF exactly what he is, a stupid idiot. And launched him into the corner because did you really think the boys were going to turn on Chris Jericho? You're insane. That was never going to happen. But was that really the goal of Noah? I don't think it was because as he was laying there, the lights went out. When the lights came back on, 
We had Wardlow. We had Tully Blanchard, FTR, and Sean Spears seemingly forming a new faction and absolutely decimating the hell out of the inner circle. We've got faction versus faction, and I cannot wait to see what I'm now dubbing the five horsemen uh, coming toe to toe against this new or the old faction of the inner circle. I, oh, mm. what a way to close out Dynamite last week. Put Chris Jericho through a table and a crash mat. Oh, we're going to protect it. And uh, put Sammy Guevara's head through a uh, uh, chair and launched him into the turnbuckle. They, the Pride and Powerful were handcuffed and beat to hell. And then Hager just disappeared. I don't know if they eviscerated him with a laser, but he was just gone. Uh, so, wow. Wow, wow, wow. And that, that that's, uh, Judas effect may have been uh, the turning point for MJF to try and uh, get Jericho out of the picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, obviously... He don't need the inner circle. MJF is just that good that he can go make his own faction. He didn't even help that fight. He just sat up on the top turnbuckle and watched the chaos ensue. Uh, so I absolutely love it, and I cannot wait to see what it has in the future. Yeah, I agree with 100,000%. I can't wait to see those two teams go at it in some type of match. Maybe, maybe we'll get some type of uh, match beyond type of match, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, you know, it was a shame because we didn't get to see those two tag teams we were talking about in this match here. The mm. tag team casino. Ta- oh, let's try that again. The casino <laughs> tag team battle royale. <laughs> oh, man, there were a lot, there were too many words. I tried to make it sound too fancy. So we'll remind everyone of the rules going forward. Uh, the order was an entry of a selected through a lottery. There will be two tag teams to start the match. And every 90 seconds, a new team would enter that match. Individual eliminations occur when a competitor is thrown over the top rope and both feet touch the floor. Tag teams are eliminated when both competitors have been ruled out of the match, and the match will continue until there is only one competitor or a single team remaining in the ring. The winning team will earn a shot at the AEW Tag Team Championship. You got all that, Noah? I think I'm picking up what you're putting down. I got you. I know know that was a lot. Yes. The Dark Order's Allen, Five Angels, and Number 10 would kick off the match with Dustin Rhodes and QT Marshall. The Natural Nightmare, Santana and Ortiz would... Uh, QT Marshall, the Natural Nightmare. Excuse me. I didn't put a period there. Santana and Ortiz joined the fray next, eliminating Angels. Matt and Mike Seidel would come out next, followed by Stu Grayson and Evil Uno. Mike Seidel joined Angels on the floor, the next man to be eliminated, as the Dark Order dominated the action in the ring. Santana rocked the opposition, though, regaining the momentum of the inner circle's entrance. The gun club would then come out. Austin and Colton, uh, the young sons of Billy Gunn, entered next and wasted little time taking a page from their father Billy's playbook with a picture-perfect dropkick. Santana would then go on to eliminate Matt Seidel with a pump kick, knocking him to the floor, which made the Seidel brothers the first team eliminated from the match. Pretty Peter Avalon and Cesar Bononi would enter the match next, teeing off on the gun club. The Varsity Blondes, uh, Brian Pillman Jr., and my current favorite wrestler, Griff Garrison, would then hit the ring like an absolute ball of energy targeting Benoni. Uh, Austin Gunn dropped Avalon with a uh, Famouser and sent him packing over the top rope and onto the floor. The gun club continued their role, attempting to dump Benoni. Marshall eliminated the gun club before uh, before jumping over the top rope himself 
at walking out on partner Rhodes. Could you believe that move? QT Marshall eliminating himself after taking the club out, who are their buddies, a tag team that they're supposed to be aligned with, takes them out and then spit at Dustin. What was that about, Noah? I, I mean, he clearly is pissed. I don't know, it's, but we don't know why. And he would do it again on Dynamite. Mm-hmm. What the mm-hmm. hell happened? Is it because he's being overlooked by these young guys, maybe? You think he's pissed? Uh, I don't know about that. I mean, it could be. Or maybe he's just trying to get some attention. Maybe get get his name more out there and, and get more uh, get talked about more. Yeah, you know, but ultimately he, he took the gun club out. And it, it looks like the natural nightmares might be, uh, you know, on their way out. Mm-hmm. Bear Countries, Bear Boulder, and Bear Bronson would enter next. Now, these are some big boys. They used power and tenacity on the opposition, opposition, including Grayson, who they sent down to the floor. Jurassic Express's Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus would enter to a massive pop, and Jungle Boy sent Ortiz to the floor, followed by Santana. Luchasaurus would finally dump Bonomi, Bononi, uh, and Santana and Ortiz and Avalon and Bononi were the two teams that got eliminated in that ordeal. Jack Evans uh, perpetrated the elimination of Vance despite not being involved in the match. Well, Marco Stunt helped eliminate Evil Uno. Both the Dark Order teams had now been eliminated, at least the two that were in the ring. The Butcher and the Blade and Private Party were the two next teams. Uh, oh, sorry, lost my spot there. Uh, yeah, so they were the two next teams. The, the former dispatching of Dustin Rhodes, followed by SCU's Christopher Daniels, and Frankie Kazarian, the Natural Nightmares, had been eliminated. As Luchasaurus was about to send them both packing, Bear County, uh, Bear Country eliminated the mask-wearing big man, and Butcher and the Blade dumped Bear Country. Bear Country has been eliminated along with Luchasaurus. Death Triangles Pack and Ray Phoenix entered the ring and immediately sent Mark Quinn and the Blade flying out to the floor. Then, my picks to win the match came out last. John Silver and Alex Reynolds entered to a thunderous ovation and eliminated Isaiah Cassidy, making Private Party eliminated from the match. Daniels and Kazarian would then eliminate the Butcher, taking out the Butcher and the Blade. Phoenix sent Daniels to the floor while Jungle Boy and Reynolds battled in the ring uh, on the ring apron. Reynolds got the lesser of the battle and landed on the floor. Pack delivered a back suplex to Kazarian, sending him over to the floor, eliminating SCU. Phoenix and Pac's team remained intact with Jungle Boy and Silver representing their teams. Silver and Pac teed off on one another with jarring strikes, the former getting the best of his opponent with hard kicks to the chest. Pac used Silver's momentum against him, though, delivering a snap German suplex. Silver uh, staved off elimination but from Pac, but Phoenix added a kick to set him packing. Silver and Reynolds have now been eliminated. I was so upset. You could ask Noah. I, oh. I was so mad. I, I thought for a minute Johnny Hungy was about to get that job done. Yeah, I Almost didn't think poetically though, Noah. There was Jungle no. Boy, yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say there was no amount of time where I thought they were gonna win. Could you, when they came out in the last position, you were like, "Shit!" It, you, it, for a moment, you were like, "Uh oh," because they're crowd favorite. They're a crowd favorite, and they're you know AEW has so far been listening to their crowds. Uh, but as I was saying, almost poetically, Jungle Boy proceeded to use Pac's momentum against him, sending him flying out to the floor. He would then deliver a Poison Rana, and Phoenix answered with a rebound kick. A clothesline followed, and the Death Triangle earned the win. Jurassic Express has now been eliminated. Noah, that was a crazy 
match where the Death Triangle ended up winning it all. How did you mm-hmm. like this match? And what do you think of the ending? Oh, I thought it was great. I chose the Death Triangle to win. I'm happy that they're getting some prominent roles here and they're going to get to uh, you know be more prominent figures here in the tag team division. I think the Death Triangle are a great team, plain and simple. Pac and Ray Phoenix, I mean, come on. Like that's just yeah. that's insane. That's insane. I mean, that's a singles that's match I want to see. It's not. That's a singles match I want to see. Let alone, I mean, they're a tag team and they're gonna get to go up like teams like teams like the F- uh, FTR, Inner Circle, the Young Bucks. I mean, it's crazy. Private Party. There's so many ways for them to go. Um, so I'm I'm excited to see where they go. Uh, I thought it was a great match. It's a great way to uh, make an exciting opening to a show, right? I mean, you had the Young Bucks and you had this. It's it's wild. Uh, it's really yeah, it definitely had us all pulled in. We were all oh, at yeah. that point excited as to what was going on. So uh, I, I think they saved this next match for a good spot. I agree 100% as we got to see some AEW women's action as AEW women's champion Hikaru Shida defended her championship against Rio Mizunami. Motivated by humiliation suffered at by Rio Mizunami five years ago, AEW women's champion Hikaru Shida battled her fellow countrywoman, uh, her title up for grabs in the night's next match. Early earring chops set the tone for the match, as did Shida's ferocious, hard-hitting offense. The veteran Mizunami answered. Shida rocked a charging Mizunami with a kick, then followed her up by driving her headfirst into the entrance ramp. A suplex back into the ring followed as Shida scored a near fall. Shida rocked her foe with a forearm, to, to which Mizunami answered with a barrage of headbutts. A clothesline followed before the challenger executed a devastating modified Death Valley driver for a near fall of her own, which that move looked clean. Shida returned fire, delivering a Tamashi. Twisted smiles painted the faces of both competitors as they dared the other to unload with another strike, which I, I love those moments in a match, can I just say? Oh, when yeah, absolutely. Staring head-to-head, and they're just hitting each other. It's like, all right, your turn. It's like, all right. Yep. Hit me. No, you hit me. Now you hit me. Exactly. It was fantastic. Uh, Mizunami delivered a Yurinagi followed by a spear. The challenger headed up top for a guillotine leg drop, but Shida kicked out at two. Shida rocked Mizunami with a straight jacket suplex, but her opponent fired up and delivered a lariat to the back of the head. Shida recovered and delivered two Falcon arrows, but could not score the win. The competitors continued to score near falls, each coming within inches of earning a victory. Shida delivered another Tamashi with Mizunami just barely rolled her shoulder off the mat to prevent the, the defeat. Shida added one last shot and finally put her opponent down for the win. Uh, the, after the match, though, Nyla Rose, Vicky Guerrero, Britt Baker, and Rebel attacked the combatants until Thunder Rosa made the save. Tyler, you don't bet against Sheeta is what we're learning yeah, here. Yeah, we've literally learned that. That is, If you could take one thing away from this Sheeta's run is that she is a dominant champion and will not be losing that title very easily. Um, again, this was a really good match. Mm. And uh, let's just say hello to our friend who hasn't showed his little face in a while. Jace, trying to claim that WWE is better than AEW. Yeah, prove it. Anyways. Hey, if you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. And NXT is moving, yeah. moving. And NXT is is turning tail and running to Tuesday. And I don't want to hear it's for hockey. I don't want to hear it. That's a that's an excuse. That's an excuse because Triple H is scared. Triple H couldn't fight the best wrestler. He couldn't fight the worst wrestler in AEW. So I don't want to hear it. All right, Jace in WWE, 
AEW's kicking WWE's ass on all fronts. See ya, never. So back to the women's action here. Uh, <laughs> uh, so no, I enjoyed this match. Um, as as I've always said, I've always picked Sheeta to win in the championship matches. I've never not, right? Yeah, no, you've so. been in- incredible and in, in just keeping faith with her. Yeah, until she fights Britt Baker, I'm picking Cheetah. <laughs> yeah, that's where you have to call it quits. That that'll be the. Uh, I'm sorry, Cheetah, if you're listening to this, that'll be the end. If you ever fight Britt <laughs> Baker for championship, yeah, yeah that's, that's the end of us. I'm sorry, we're gonna have to see other people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Tyler, I mean, it was, it was a good uh, match of women's action here. So I mean, I liked it. Yeah, no, I absolutely liked it. They they did an incredible job, uh, and you know, I've been pretty critical of the women's division. But lately, the women's division has been doing a very good job uh, getting themselves over. They haven't needed the help of any interference or anything crazy. Mm. Uh, So they've been doing a pretty decent job uh, of getting some great content out there. And we have some great content here at Clovercrest as well. Please take a look at these ads, and we'll be right back with you after the break. Clovercrest Media Group presents a CMG podcast. Keys to the City. I crossed up by Colby, roll float to Shaq, and then Shaq goes like this, and the rest is history. Pay attention. Don't tell me what to do, devil woman. Speaking of those Lakers. But I, but I, hold on, fun. But I didn't make my I didn't make my I said Denver's going to win. Yeah, you did. You said that. There's no other show like that. Clover Crest is doing great things right now. Streaming. When I was 12 years old, I became a Jack Nicholson superfan. This happened almost overnight on an evening in February 1997 when I first saw The Shining. Here's Johnny! In those 20 plus years, I never stopped being a Jack superfan. I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Get ready for You Don't Know Jack, hosted by me. Subscribe today on your favorite podcast platform. Welcome to Ivy League Murders. On this podcast, we focus on cases affiliated with the Ivy League, exploring the darker side of higher education. What happens when genius becomes evil? My name is Sarah Alcorn. I'm a Harvard graduate, and I've been a private investigator since 1999. Join me and longtime crime diva, Laura McDonald, for Ivy League Murders. Looking for a casual baseball podcast to listen to? Well, Baseball with the Bard, presented by Clovercrest Media, has just what you're looking for. Tyler Bard and Noah Cross cover a wide range of happenings in the MLB and then dive into a deep focus on the Red Sox and Yankees. Join us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for your weekly dose of Baseball with the Bard. Drew, he's just casually hitting them in. Here, Drew. <laughs> Another one coming in, guys. Oh, I missed it. Let's push it together, Drew. Here we go, guys. One coming in hot. Ah! No, you got that all yourself. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Defense. Defense. <laughs> Don't let up! Don't let up! No! Yeah! Alright guys, four to once. So let's go, get all four in! I'm trying. Okay, those two more. <laughs> Can we get one, you guys? <laughs> 
Come on, Drew. 20. Uh. <laughs> what? They won 21 to 1. <laughs> we are having far too much fun over there on our Twitch channel, TBARD5195. Remember, you can find us there. I'd like to go Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays for right now. That seems to be the days you'll find me most often there uh, with guys like Courtney and Drew. Noah shows up every once in a blue moon. And a few other people like Ray Bay Cosplay and Local Swamp Hag, a bunch of other friends you can find over there on Twitch. We would also like to remind you all that we are not a market substitute for AW's Dynamite. Please make sure you go watch it live every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Noah, it's time. It's time for the main event, the one that everyone was looking forward to the most, Miro and Kip Sabian versus Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor. If you don't mind, I, I would love the honors of just telling you all about this incredible match. Uh, yeah, take, take it away, buddy. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, Miro and Kip Sabian would attack Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy prior to their advertised tag team match on that Sunday. The unstoppable Miro sent Taylor crashing face first into a glass window backstage. The gutsy Taylor, however, demanded that the match be started and demonstrated an incredible amount of grit as he fended off both uh, the best man and the super bad until Cassidy would eventually make his presence felt inside of the Daly's Place arena. Cassidy obliterated Miro with an orange punch, punch but quickly found himself on the defensive against Chris Sabian. Uh, Taylor re-entered the match and joined his partner in working over Superbad until Miro rocked the Kentucky gentleman with a right hand. Cassidy fared well against Miro until accidentally wiping out Penelope Ford. Obviously, he did not mean to do that and was feeling awful about it and uh, may have distracted him a little bit. Miro showed a little concern, however, for his partner's wife instead of flattening Cassidy with a roundhouse kick and applying the accolade finisher to Taylor for the submission victory. Uh, it is exactly as much of a main event as I said. As you can see, the, the uh, footnotes lasted literally 30 seconds. Uh, that match was, I, I would say, shocking. But uh, can we call it shocking? Because we all had it thrown up in the air of like anything could happen here. We didn't really know, but we all, except for Kyle, picked the faces to win this match. And mm -hmm. this is ultimately the match that put Kyle over top of everyone else. Yeah. Bringing Miro and Kip Sabian to the top uh, of and who, who would have thought Miro and Kip Sabian are the ones that allowed Kyle to retain his championship? Not even by a tie, he won. Uh, so that's the most exciting thing that happened in this match is that Kyle retained his championship. <laughs> <laughs> the the pre, I guess the pre-match attack was okay. Uh, it, it's really set it up that if, if they lost at that point, dear Lord, um, they're really putting Miro and Kip Sabian in a bad place if they mm -hmm. ended up losing that match. So overall, I mean, meh, whatever. It was, it was a filler match. Um, what was sad about it was it was a filler match before what, in my opinion, was what I thought was going to be the filler match. Um, but Noah, would you mind taking it away uh, for our next match here? For sure, as we had the big money match between Hangman Page and Matt Hardy. First quarter earnings were up for grabs in the night's next matchup as the big money match took place, where we saw Matt Hardy take on Hangman Page. As Cerebral Hardy targeted the right hand and arm of Page, looking to take away his buckshot lariat. He stomped on it, bit it, 
twisted his fingers uh, and his opponent on his of his opponent as he continued his torturous onslaught. Page scored a near fall off a crucifix roll-up and added a Death Valley driver for another. Hardy nearly earned a two-count. I'm sorry. Hardy er, nearly earned the count-out victory as Page struggled to recover on the arena floor, but the resilient babyface fought his way back into the ring. Hardy continued his onslaught, bringing Page off the top rope with a powerbomb for the two-count. Page finally built some momentum for himself with a picture-perfect moonsault off the top rope, wiping yeah. Hardy out on the floor. That was B-E-A-U-tiful. B-E-A-U-tiful. Yes. Private Party made their presence felt as Page began the roll. Page, however, deposited them to the floor allowing Dark Order to make the save and wipe Isaiah Cassidy and Mark Quinn out. The faction caught Page, set him up on the apron, and allowed him to deliver his patented buckshot lariat for the big W. After the match, Page embraced the group with big hugs and a celebration of the victory. Oh, God, yeah. It looks like, potentially, we have a new member of the Dark Order, Mr. Cross. So what is Page's number going to be in the Dark Order? Number... Or are they looking for... Are they looking for a leader? I mean, I thought Eva Luna was their leader, but yeah. Um, maybe that's the case. Maybe he's just going to be a close ally. Um, but a Dynamite proved they are very close. They were all riding on a tractor together. Uh, so they're obviously best friends. Uh, really? So I don't I don't know. I, I uh, Again, this match, it was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. But I felt the night uh, draining. I could I feel you. the night beginning to be like, uh oh, uh oh, we're losing momentum. Pick it back up, pick it back up, pick it back up, please. And, and going um, do you back agree with the, that? I do agree with that. I do agree with that. But I want to go back really quick to the Dark Order and Hangman and just saying maybe they just think his tractor sexy, you know? They think his tractor <laughs> sexy. I did that you know one Johnny Hungy does. He does. You know Johnny Hungy is just like, yes. I did that one yes. I did that one for your brother, by the way, so I hope he listens. Um <laughs> So, yeah, I do agree with you, though, in seeing that the momentum of the evening was somewhat winding down. But this next match here, I mean... Definitely this, changed that. It should have been hype as hell, and it was, so... Yep, definitely changed that. The face of the Revolution ladder match. Let me pull that picture up real quick. Uh, and remember, we didn't know who that sixth man was going to be coming into this match. There were a lot of names thrown out there. And, of course, the picks guru himself, uh, Kyle Torres correctly predicted that it was going to be Ethan Page, who is now all elite. The all ego Ethan Page has joined the AEW roster. I could not believe that. All ego went all elite as former Impact Wrestling World Tag Team Champion joined Cody Rhodes, Max Caster, Scorpio Sky, Penta L0M, and Lance Archer in the face of the Revolution ladder match for a shot at the TNT Championship. They had to grab that brass ring. Caster used his boombox to get to, uh, to his advantage on more than one occasion, while Page sandwiched Archer in a ladder. Penta delivered a backstabber to Page, bringing him off the ladder and to the mat below. Rhodes, nursing a shoulder injury, however, delivered a missile drop kick to Penta. Penta answered with a destroyer pile driver over the top rope and onto a ladder. Ow. It was propped up across the guardrail in the ring. You can only imagine how bad that actually must have been. I, oh, probably only a little. His body racked with pain. Uh, Rhodes found himself taken to the back for medical attention. In the ring, however, Sky 
brought Caster off the ladder, preventing him from grabbing onto that brass ring. Archer joined both Sky and Caster on the ladders before Paige joined in on the festivities. All four men battled atop the ladders until the Murderhawk Madman was knocked to the mat, following, uh, followed by Paige and Caster. Penta stopped Sky from retrieving the, uh, the ring, and Caster brought Paige off the ladder with a power mom of his own. Another just, oh, the, the hits in this match were just brutal. Later on, though, Archer rocked Sky with a jumping knee strike to the face that sent the former world tag team champion off the top rope and threw a ladder at ringside. Penta laid out Paige and Caster in the corner and then flattened Archer with a crossbody. A one-armed Rhodes would make his way back down to the ring, whipping his opponents with his weight belt and obliterating, obliterating Paige with a crossroads. He scaled the ladder, but Archer met him up top and delivered a massive suplex. Caster followed with the claim to fame elbow drop to the back of the American Nightmare. Archer unloaded on his opponents, chokeslamming everyone in sight and delivering a blackout to Caster onto a ladder. Page stopped Archer, however, from climbing, delivered a low blow, and flattened him with an impressive razor's edge. Jake Roberts would then enter the ring, and he downed the all-ego with a clothesline. Unfortunately for the older guy, he ended up eating a super kick from Pentabell. That's what happens when you step in the ring in the middle of a match. You gotta expect these things, Jake. You should know better. Uh, towards the end of the match, however, Rhodes would deliver the Cody Cutter, uh, but Penta ended up covering in the American Nightmare's arm, hitting it with a chair. Uh, the Lucha Bro would be last, uh, blasted with the same chair, where then Sky would slam Cody's arm into the ladder and climb up the ladder, retrieving the brass ring. Can I just say, for this match, I was happy to see that Ethan Page is all elite, but the rest of these guys in the match absolutely carried the hell out of it. Mm. And then Scorpio Sky was like, got it. Scorpio Sky had a few moments where he was big, but he mostly was out of it for this entire match. So I was kind of disappointed to see him get the win, even though everyone seemed to mostly agree that he was going to be the one who ended up winning. Um, Just disappointing because later on, he would go on to face uh, Darby Allen on Dynamite and lose in a pretty unfortunate fashion too. It wasn't like it was a ridiculous, like clean win. He won by roll up, mm-hmm. or lo- he he lost by roll up. Um, brutal, brutal to yeah. to put us through all that and just to have it be a, a wash. Uh, I was kind of hoping whoever won this would be the one to defeat Darby, but we'll not see. even Maybe. that. I think it just kind of pulled the trigger too quickly. Like you know, he won the ladder match, which is a huge deal, and then we just yeah, did and it then two nights later, right? right? Like, yeah. What? Yeah, no, they kind of just, they should have waited, or at least done it at, like, one of the title Wednesday episodes, like a break or something like that. Say that. Like, at least have yeah. a big, like, you know, a month out, a big Wednesday, and build up to it. Like, let Scorpio beat a few people and give the match some time. It was just weird. Right. They didn't even have time to trash talk or, or get a story rolling. They just threw him right into it. it um, so that was, that was a little unfortunate. Uh, but you know what wasn't unfortunate? The announcement that I'm going to have you make right now the big announcement we were all waiting for was who is this massive signing that Big Show or Paul White uh, was talking about a few weeks back? Uh, would you like to let us know who that is? Yes, Christian freaking Cage. And of course, the picks champion, Kyle Torres. Knew this Pick one, too. too. <laughs> Out of all of us, the only person to say Christian freaking Cage. And he was uh, right. 
as Christian Cage, the instant classic, is all elite. Big news, dude. Oh, man. Uh, you know, oh. people people say they were underwhelmed. And they say, what do you mean he's a Hall of Famer is, is the questions I got at work. I go, what do you mean he's not a Hall of Famer? He's a, Just because he won the world championship two times and they were both very short-lived. Uh, one was a month long. One was a day long. This man is a multi-time tag team champion, multi-world champion across other brands of wrestling. It does WWE is not the gold standard for all wrestling in the world. That is where you want to go to get paid and be on TV. But if you're a good wrestler, you do not have to be in WWE. You can make a great resume not being in the world wrestling entertainment. So, you know what? I think that this was a huge signing. He is absolutely going into the WWE Hall of Fame at some point. And eventually, maybe we'll have an AEW, AEW Hall of Fame, and he can end up there, too. There you go. I like it. I like it a lot. But, no, I think it's cool that Christian's there. I want to think, think about this for a second. It's 2021. Mm. Edge just won the Royal Rumble, and Christian just signed a new multi-year deal. In another company. How wild is that? And he's fighting, because if yeah. you watched this week's episode of Dynamite, uh, he was called. He was supposed to have an interview, but Kenny Omega came out and was like, yeah, "Excuse me, we need we need to talk." And they cleared up a few things about a match we're about to talk about. I don't want to talk about that just yet. But Christian would come out and uh, make his presence known. I'll put it that way. Uh, mm -hmm. That he's definitely wanting to be in the main title picture. Absolutely. I mean, and he's gonna be. Let's let's be honest here. Let's be honest. Oh, here. I mean, of course. Where else were they gonna put him? Right. That was exactly. that's obviously the best bet. So definitely looking forward to what they have in store for Mr. Christian Cage as we jump into some tag team action here with a street fight. And we finally get to see the man they call Sting back in action, teaming with Darby Allen, the TNT champion, taking on Brian Cage and Ricky Starks. Team Taz's Brian Cage and Ricky Starks arrived at an undisclosed location for Sunday street fight in a nice sports car. Ooh, fancy, fancy. Um... TJ champion Darby Allen skateboarded behind a pickup truck driven by string. All four competitors took to the squared circle inside an abandoned warehouse for their match anticipated for their much anticipated showdown and wasted little time taking the fight to each other. Cage overpowered and pushed Allen, throwing him through a door while Sting proved he didn't need his trademark baseball bat to beat the holy hell out of Ricky Starks. Oh, literally, he launched that thing. Yeah. He's like, oh, you don't want me to use it? All right. All right, I'll kick your ass anyway. All right. And he did. Uh, Cage hoisted Allen in a vertical suplex, walked a flight of stairs, and dropped him into a trash can. Rude. Very rude. Uh, later, Cage recovered from a table spot to drive Sting into a brick wall, all while Powerhouse Hobbs and Taz's son double-teamed Allen. The duo sent Allen crashing through a pane of windows while Team oh. Taz focused their attack on the icon. Cage blasted Sting with a shovel and had a legendary competitor in peril before Allen recovered and tossed him the black baseball bat. Sting pummeled the opposition with it, and Allen fell several floors through the air, wiping the heels out with a coffin drop. Back in God. the ring... Sting looked for the sp Stinger Splash on Starks, but missed. Starks answered with a spear for a near fall. Did you hold your breath for a moment there? Ow. Just a Ew. moment. Are you high? Absolutely but like, What not. an upset that would have been. It would have been crazy, but not by a spear. That, that's his finisher. 
I don't care who's better. It's it's Ricky Starks. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Maybe if it was like like some type of crazy like pile driver that he flung up and then caged at the F ten. Dude, that near that was a really close near fall. Then uh, then I would be like, oh god. Um, the former WCW World Champion recovered, reversed Starks. And delivered the Scorpion Death Drop for the win as Sting gets his first win as a member of the All Elite Club. I now mean, that I, was a good match. Yeah, this match was what we thought it was going to be. It was a cinematic match, but it really wasn't. I mean, it was cinematic in the sense that it wasn't in the ring. You know, yeah, it like was like filmed in like sepia. Yeah, it was like it, it, you know, it was it was spooky. Yes, and they had druids and they had all sorts of different weird things going on, and it, it was. It was well produced because it yes. didn't look like they had to shoot it multiple times, which mm-hmm. of course they did. Of oh, course yeah. they did. Uh, but it looked very well put together and very clean. So after this, right, we got to see how Sting in the light that we thought we would see him in. First, we thought it would be in WWE. It didn't happen. Now it's in AEW, obviously. Do we think we'll ever see Sting in a different light in the sense of in, in the ring wrestling straight up? Uh, we're going to see him wrestle straight up, absolutely. I think he'll have a, a, a match or two uh, in his career here in AEW, and then he'll probably just go to a management or backstage role. Okay. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, and you know, we were talking about how clean this match was. Mm-hmm. Let's just talk about the main event real quick. <laughs> we had an exploding barbed wire death match for AEW's World Championship. I don't want to hate on it too hard. No, we'll talk about it when I get to the end. Mm-hmm. The opening moments of the exploding barbed wire death match for AEW's world championship between John Moxley and Kenny Omega saw both men avoiding the razor sharp wire surrounding the squared circle. Moxley got the upper hand right out of the gate, blasting the champion with a kendo stick across the back. His advantage, however, was short lived as Omega triggered the very first explosion of the match, sending the challenger back first into the barbed wire. Uh, for those of you who didn't watch it, anytime someone touched the barbed wire, a little explosion would go off. And it was very bright, almost looked like a like a smoke bomb or a, or a flashbang um, that, that would go off. So uh, Mox would end up nursing his lower leg, which Omega immediately targeted. He trapped the, a bloodied Moxley in a figure four looking for a submission. Moxley answered, however, by grabbing a wire wrapped chair and sawing away Oh, Lord. Sawing away, yes, at his opponent's leg. It, this this match was, uh, if you're looking for blood, uh, you, you found it. Omega <laughs> went and tried for a Snapdragon, but however, Moxley would fight out uh, the cleaner, however, sending him into a barbed, woo, barbed wire board, Noah, cracking that in half. A moonsault followed for the two count. Mox, in a moment of desperation, however, sent Omega into the wire two times, detonating two separate explosions. So far, so good. So far, so good, Noah. The, 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 the barbed wire is cutting them up. The explosions are going off. So far, looking all right. Moxley would again send Omega into another wire board, driving him down with a suplex of his own. He wrapped wire around his own arm and tried for a clothesline, only to eat a snapdragon. Then another. Omega rocked him with a V-trigger, but Moxley, uh, but Moxley, feeding off his own adrenaline, delivered a lariat after all. Omega drove his foe into the ropes, necessitating yet another explosion before selling the explosives, affecting his own eyesight. Oops, you were a little too close there, uh, Omega. Sorry. 
Moments later, the champion and challenger were introduced to one-third of Triple Hell as Moxley delivered a paradigm shift off the apron and onto a large bed of barbed wire. I don't understand how many times they're going to do that because, dear Lord, every time it looks like they are not going to be able to peel themselves out. Yeah, exactly. It's like, ah, how the hell are you going to get out of that? And not only that, pyro, more explosions happened. They did eventually make it back to the ring. Moxley used a spool of barbed wire on a now bloodied Omega. A pile driver followed as the commentary team sold the countdown of the ring exploding at the 30-minute mark. Now, can I just say... The reason this didn't go well, in my opinion, is because of the commentary team. Uh, we will get to that in just a moment, Noah, but I think the commentary team had a big fault in why the end of this match did not go according to plan. Mm-hmm. Um, Omega delivered consecutive V-triggers, then added the one-winged angel. Moxley hit the ropes, however, during that pinfall, igniting an explosion that once again blinded Omega. The Good Brothers, however, would come down to make the save and gave Omega an exploding barbed wire bat. Yeah, you heard that right an exploding barbed wire bat that he used on his opponent, but could not keep him down yet again. Omega then, however, delivered a one-winged angel on a chair, earning that hard-fought victory. Uh, Thank God. But I believe that is the first time, Noah. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think I'm right, though, that he's had to do two one-winged angels on an opponent to win the match. Um, And he didn't kick out. He rope breaked. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we'll give him that. So no one has still, no one has kicked out of the one winged angel. So, uh, that, I think that goes to show the, uh, behind the scenes respect that these two have for each other. Yep. Um, but here's, here's where it all goes downhill after the match, Omega and the good brothers beat and beat down a handcuffed Moxley and the countdown continued to go. It would air on the screen and Eddie Kingston of all people comes running out to the ring to protect Moxley. And he spended off the heels, sending them away, and went to cover up Moxley because the imminent explosion, uh, they w- he would not be able to carry Moxley out before the explosion hit. Three, two, one, happy birthday! The the sparkers, sparklers go off and, and a few little smoke bombs, and, and that's it. That's it. Four sparklers and some smoke. And apparently, uh, the commentary team could feel the heat of the explosion. Oh, the humanity. How will they ever? Rec- that was the worst sell. If it, how were they not ready? How were they not told, boys, if this doesn't work, we need to not sell it? How was that not in the script? Because that was the most baloney explosion that you could ever expect. Not, I'm not saying. I wanted to see the ring implode and the boys be buried in a pound, uh, you know, a ton of rubble, mm-hmm. but a little more like Kane esque pyro. Give me some fireballs probably would have done a, uh, a good job. Um, I don't know if that was the plan and it just didn't happen for whatever reason. Um, but unfortunately when you zoomed in on Mox and uh, uh, Eddie Kingston, you could see that even they were breaking. Like they were like, wow, this is stupid. Yeah. Um, but they did fix the problem when they came on <laughs> Wednesday night. There was Moxley and Eddie Kingston sipping some bourbon on a couch, uh, talking about the match. And Eddie Kingston claimed the reason he passed out is because he had flashbacks from when he was uh, in prison, and he felt the pressure of being in prison that he felt there, and it worked him up so much 
that he was protecting a buddy that he passed out. And that was why it was so hard on him. I was like, all right, that's a good storyline. I'm actually on board. I can believe that. That makes okay. sense. Okay. Um, and then they went on to criticize um, Omega and Don Callis for not reali- not knowing how to make an actual exploding ring and that they were too much of a word that I'm not going to say on this podcast to actually create something that could kill a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, again, later in the night, Callis and Omega said, no, no, no. Everything went exactly how it was supposed to go. Everything went according to plan. And Omega hit the ring making fun of them, saying, oh, Callus, 69 me. 69 me, Callus. Get on top of me. Come on. And Callus did. They 69 in the middle of the ring. Uh, it was hilarious. Uh, and I hope that they keep this angle, that they keep that this is funny and it, it didn't go according to plan. Make fun of yourselves so the other people can. Mm-hmm. Um, because that was this the biggest screw up in AEW history? Absolutely. A hundred percent. This was the biggest botch that they've had yet, except for maybe Seidel ruining his entrance in his video. Um, I'm going to bring it up every single time. This was a big botch, unfortunately. Um, but I think they did a good job to cover it up. Do you agree? Absolutely, they did. Uh, I think the recovery on Dynamite was good. It was necessary. I know, like, Moxley tweeted, uh, you can't build an exploding wing worth a crap. <laughs> yeah, well, he like took the that. mic after the match. Yeah. He, t- after the, he was getting up. He's like, I guess Moxley or Omega can't build an exploding damn ring. Yeah. I love you all. <laughs> yeah, so they recovered in that sense. They sort of just kind of were playing that game of someone just messed it up. But they didn't just kind of cover it up or try to make it sound or uh, try to make it sound better than it was like the commentary team did. So I agree with you on that and saying that they were yeah. just a little extra. Uh, in, in doing what they did. Yeah, it was just kind of like, all right, it's not that great. Like, let's and just and notice commentary didn't say a thing. They didn't yep. say a damn yep. thing about it on Dynamite. They were like, yep, whatever they say, that's that's it. That's the story we're going with. And that's it. Um, but the match itself was good. The mm. match itself was decent. It was not the bloodiest because you could tell the barbed wire was a little bit. It wasn't too sharp. It was mm-hmm. a little dull. Um, but I don't want to see these guys actually like rip their their tendons. And, uh, you know, this this was as good as it could be for television. And I think they did a very good job. If this was in a bingo hall, uh, they'd still be mopping up the blood right now. So <laughs> it's a week later. Uh, it, but it's not. This is TV. We take what we get for TV. Uh, they can't be murdering each other or else they're going to get sued again. So let's not do that. Um, I think overall, this pay-per-view, Noah, I give it a three and a half. Uh, We are the marquee wrestling fans, so we have to grade things. Uh, What do you got? Three. Three. Yeah, it really was just average. This this felt like it could have been an extended episode of Dynamite. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was nothing that was way over the top. It was very, very good. But because we're grading it as a pay-per-view, I think you're right. Right between three to three and a half. Um, Everything they did was decent. Uh, but it just was not, in my opinion. And, and we hyped this show up oh, as yeah. like it could oh, be yeah. the the WrestleMania of the year, and it it just wasn't. It wasn't, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And no, what right. really hurt it was this last match. This re- last match really brought it down. Even though it was very good, that botch is going to live on in the history books of wrestling for the mm-hmm. rest of existence. And it sucks because it's against two of the greatest wrestlers in the business right now. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. But again. Just before we finish up here, we just want to remind everyone that we are not a market substitute for AEW's Dynamite. Please make sure that you go watch Dynamite Live every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you 
love podcasts, why not visit clovercrestmedia.com for a wide selection of great shows covering sports, business, relationships, pop culture, politics, and true crime. There are 26 shows on the CMG network, and if you don't find one you like, start your own. We can help you launch your podcast for as little as $15 a month, and clovercrestmedia.com is the website. Make sure you check on it and tell your friends all about it. You can visit clovercrestmedia.com and click on the links for your latest on your CMG sports podcast, as well as all the blogs, video, and whatnot for the latest info. Man, Noah, this was an incredible, incredible show just reaching under the hour mark. We appreciate everyone for coming by to the Crossroads Wrestling Entertainment Podcast. And next week, we will be back to our normal format of bringing you all of the latest happenings on AEW's Dynamite. Thank you all for coming to the Crossroads Wrestling Entertainment Podcast. My name is Tyler Bard, and that is my co-host over there, Mr. Noah Cross. We will see you all next time. Listening to the Crossum Wrestling Entertainment Podcast.